Welcome to Apply Filters, the podcast all about WordPress development. Now, here's your hosts, Pippin Williamson and Brad Tunar. Welcome to episode 39. Today, Pippin and I will be talking about what we've been up to, a few news items, some recent discussions, and then we're going to talk about responsive images in WordPress. But first, a word from our sponsor. All right, once again, uh, this episode is sponsored by the WP Ninjas, the creators of Ninja Forms and Ninja Demo and a couple of other awesome plugins. Uh, they just yesterday uh, announced a new bundle option that they're offering for their extensions. It's kind of a membership bundle that allows you to get all of their extensions for a single price. Uh, so if you're using Ninja Forms and you want to take a look at their extensions, you want to build them for your customer sites or for yourself, uh, it's a definitely a great option to go look at. It's over 31 add-ons now, 31 add-ons and counting that are included uh, for some pretty significant discounts. So go check them out at ninjaforms.com and head over to their blog to read about the new bundle option. Yeah, so uh, we've uh, we've been slaving away at uh, the new version of MigrateDB Pro. Uh, we're going to be releasing a 1.5 with some some new features in it, uh, including the multi-site, multi-site tools add-on. Oh, I cannot wait to see that multi-site uh, stuff. Yeah. And a, another thing we're going to have is like a little um, throttle on the settings tab so that you can actually slow down uh, migrations. So that's going to be a neat little thing. Um, Sweet. Because so that'd be for, would that be primarily for servers that just can't handle how fast data is being processing? Like if they're, it's actually for security systems because some security systems. Oh, because it flags them to too many requests. Yeah, too many requests uh, in too short a time. So gotcha. So we've got to actually slow slow down the migrations for some servers. Um, so that's that's uh, that thing. But and then uh, we've been working on the Amazon uh, plugin as well uh, a bit and. Uh, and I've been working on the site for that, so the the site that basically sells that plugin, right? Nice. Um, is that going to be a new standalone site, or is it part of Delicious Brains? Uh, that's going to be part of Delicious Brains. Yeah, we we kind of go with the the Apple model, where like all the yeah. all the products under one umbrella kind of thing. Yeah, I've still been going back and forth on on that as well. I mean, uh, things like uh, EDD and Affiliate WP are slightly uh, larger platforms maybe that I felt didn't ex- didn't work in my own site. Mm. Um, but I'm actually now looking at doing the opposite of that with uh, my Restrict Content Pro plugin. I'm looking at building it out into its own site as well. Okay. And right I think now they both have their merits of, for sure. Right now it's part of your your site, is it? Your right, personal it's like site. Right. Yeah. I, I think I think it makes sense if your products are very well related. Um, like if if your customers would there be a lot of crossover? It kind of makes yep. sense to put them under on, on an umbrella. Um, but if they're pretty different or pretty, like they, they have a different customer basis, then it, it kind of makes sense just to have separate sites, right? Definitely. Yeah. Anyway, what have what you been working on? Well, um, this last week has been awesome, um, mostly because it's been my first, my last week and a half have been kind of back to normal. Uh, so, you know, most people know that two weeks ago or somewhere in that time frame, uh, there was a major security update for, I don't know, 50, 60, 70 plugins along with WordPress core related to cross-site scripting. Um, I had several plugins that were included on that list. Uh, and that getting that bug fixed, which was actually a very minor, very trivial bug to fix, um, was actually really, really an intensive process. Um, 
because of the bug, we actually had to go back and patch 53 versions of EDD. Uh, so we, we went all the way back to version 1.8 and patched every single point release in between, uh, which was 53 of them, and then deployed those updates. So going through the process of testing every single one of those, creating all the patch files, um, testing them extensively, running all, all the unit tests, then um, and, and then also doing that with, I think we did it with 36 of our extensions for EDD as well that were um, affected by the, by the issue. It was just a really extensive process. So uh, did, uh, did WordPress, uh, I guess WordPress.org, did they do a force update for, for all those versions that you patched? Yes. So every, every plugin author that was affected by uh, the bug, we, there was basically a private Slack channel set up where anybody who had a plugin that was affected by the bug got invited to. And it was, it was basically a planning room for to, to coordinate the release. Because the idea is we wanted everybody to release their fixes at the same time to get the bug wiped out as fast as possible across the net. Um, and so we, we worked with the guys from WordPress.org, uh, which was primarily uh, Gary Pendergast, I think his name, um, to get a forced update for EDD out. And anybody who wanted to could opt into those updates. So quite a few people opted out of them, but we, we decided to opt in. Uh, so it, we basically had to send them patch files for every single version from 1.8 all the way up to 2.3 and every point release in between. Right. So I, guess, like if you, I guess this vulnerability really affected plugins in different ways. So it might not yeah. have been as so severe for some other plugins. Which yep. would, so it would make sense to opt out if it, it wasn't a big if it wasn't a big problem with uh, with their particular yep, plugin. certainly and there were some there were some plugin authors like yoast for example opted out of the automatic updates now that his like that that reasoning for opting out was because in the last auto update that yoast had had there had been some issues with the plugin getting deactivated but no one really knew why and it had it caused some issues right. um so some people were opting out because it just wasn't that big of an issue for them some were opting out because they were reluctant to do an auto update um right. we we opted into it and we saw um on the day the release went out we saw sixteen thousand updates across wow. the board um which if you go look at our stats graph on wordpress.org like suddenly our daily download looked tiny because there's this giant spike on april 19th <laughs> because every single all the sites got act, updated um but we didn't have a single reported issue so that worked out well right huh. yeah so now i'm now i'm relieved because i'm back to normal and not having to deal with that anymore so i feel like i've actually been able to make progress and so this morning i was able to push out uh, a major release for restrict content pro that i've been working on for about six months or so uh, for version 2.1 that introduces a bunch of new stuff that i'm pretty excited for so cool. that was nice. You, yeah, you blogged. You have a blog post out about that. Yes, right? I do, and uh, I'll include it in the show notes. Cool. Um, some pretty pretty significant changes, especially kind of changes that I've been wanting to make for a long time. Um, behind the scenes, they're primarily API updates. Um, like I built a brand new payment gateway API. I built a new member API. Um, some other additional helper functions and things like that. There there are a lot of features that are going to make it possible in the future to do a bunch of new cool features. Are you currently the only one working on RCP, or do you have other people? There's helping? there's people that have contributed a little here and there, but it's mostly it's mostly me. Mostly you. Crazy. It's, it's my, I I call it my side project. 
Right. Right. Like you need a side project. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, should we move on to yeah. a question that we got? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, so full disclosure, uh, this question is from Ian Jones, and he is actually one of my team members. So, you know. Oh, very. Nice. I actually did not realize that. That's excellent. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I didn't think you, you thought. I thought you might not know that. Um, so, yeah. Um, should we read the question? Do you want to go ahead? Sure. I'll go and read it. So Ian sent us a question that said, has having the for purchase uh, easy digital downloads, add-ons, and affiliate WP, uh, this also includes Restrict Content Pro, uh, plugins freely available on GitHub, has it had a measurable positive or negative impact uh, effect on sales? Is there a code contributions, marketing, community awareness benefit that outweighs the likelihood that a handful of people will forego a license? Do you think all WordPress plugins should be made available in this way, considering they have to be predominantly GPL v2 or later licensed anyway? I think it's a really good question, and it's one that we're still kind of experimenting with. So uh, Affiliate WP was the first commercial plugin that we put on a public repo on .org. I mean, sorry, on GitHub. Mm -hmm. uh, and it actually launched from day one on GitHub. So that one is actually a little bit more difficult to measure because we can't look and see, well, did we have people using pirated or non-paid-for licenses uh, before or after, we can't measure that because it's always been on GitHub. Mm -hmm. EDD add-ons, on the other hand, uh, we have a large number of our add-ons freely available on GitHub that uh, anybody can download or anyone can contribute to. Uh, and this includes a lot of our commercial add-ons. And then Restricted Content Pro is also on GitHub mm -hmm. for anybody to contribute to. It's all open, it's on a public repo. Um, and all of these are paid plugins. Um, and so I think most people uh, kind of look at that as a what the hell are you doing? Like, why would you do that? Because you're selling the plugin. Like, how are you selling this thing that's freely given away? Um, if if I had to if I had to make one statement about how well it's worked out, it's awesome. It's been amazing. Um, the I think I don't know how much I can measure how positive or negative it's been on sales, but I can say it's never hurt sales in any way that I can measure. Uh, it's probably so, hard to measure something like this, right? Yeah, super hard to measure. Um, can like you, the only have you looked at the like GitHub has some stats about like downloads and stuff, doesn't it? No, it had. Well, you could look at the number of times it's been cloned. You could look at the number of people that are watching it. Um, and I think so. You used to be able to upload like download files for versions, which I think were related to tags. I don't think that feature exists anymore. But when you could, you could actually look at the download counts there. Right. Um, so un unless there's a stat somewhere that I just don't know about anymore, there's not a way. So I just searched Google for affiliate WP, and the second result after your website is the GitHub repo. <laughs> is it really? Yeah. <laughs> I and, did not know that. And let's look. So we've got watching. There's 22 people watching, 120 stars. Uh, 53 forks. Uh, I don't know if you, you could probably see more stats though. Like there's, I think. Yeah. Have uh, to I'll go through this. I'll see if I can find any that are interesting. But, um, uh, but yeah, I even with those statistics, I think it's going to be extremely difficult to measure that. Yeah. The only way that we've really been able to measure it very well is just people that send in a support request, mm -hmm. um, and are using the version from GitHub. 
right. as opposed to having a licensed one. And you're like, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> yeah, and, and we have seen it a couple of times. Uh, has anyone purchased a license because they wanted support? Yes. That's um, well, maybe. <laughs> what, what, so what we've seen is we'll, we'll see people that say, hey, I, I'm playing with this from GitHub right now, kind of seeing if I like it or not. And then they will go on to purchase a license. Oh. And we've seen that numerous times. That's interesting. And, and those people, like we see those because they send, they send us an email right. and they, they have a question or something like that. Mm -hmm. And usually so using hey, it I'm like, playing with this on GitHub and I think I'm going to go ahead and purchase it. Could you answer this question for me? Right. So they're using it kind of like a demo almost. Mm -hmm. like a, they're just demoing it try or a trial, trying it out. Yeah. And, and then they totally intend to purchase afterwards. Yep. Huh. And, and I know that there's absolutely people out there that are using it that have never paid for it. Yeah. But I realize, you know what? I don't care. And here's why. Um, I would, I, Every single commercial plugin I've ever written that you have ever written, that every single person has ever written that has ever received more than a single user has been pirated and is on a site or a torrent site. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times those are um, infected with malware or tracking scripts or other things like that. Um, there was a big security post on this uh, a year and a half ago about uh, example plugins where that had happened. And so the people that are gonna not going to purchase it but still want to use it I would actually rather give them a version that is 100% safe and secure than have them go and find a like a, a black market copy per se. Um, I guess my my thought there would be that if you're if you're if your software isn't that popular, like you're not Photoshop, you're not you know you're not one of these, or you're not Windows or you know a, a really sought after app. I think it would be harder to find that on a, you know the pirate bay or, or wherever <laughs> no it's not so easy i guarantee <laughs> you, you could find any one of my plugins in less than five minutes really okay yeah we, we've we tested it like we've actually had a couple of people email us recently saying hey i found your plugin on a pirate site thought you should know and we go back and sure enough find it on 10 or 15 different sites this this has been happening to me ever since when i was on code canyon every single plugin that's on code canyon is on a pirate site right Okay. Uh, even even ones that only have a couple of sales. Sometimes, uh, at one point, it was actually pretty apparent that every single plugin was actually being purchased just to be put on a pirate site. Right. Hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, again, it's really hard to measure um, how much it's impacted sales, good or bad. Um, overall, my experience has been awesome with it, though. Um, just as an example, like, okay, if you have a private repo, how many contributors do you have to that repository? Two, three, four. Your, te your team members, may plus maybe one or three special people that you've given access to. Mm -hmm. Pretty normal. Um, Affiliate WP has 33. All just from people that decided to jump in and contribute to it because it was open. Uh, we have two people now that just came from the community that are actively contributing to it. Like and are building major features and major patches for it because of the fact it was open. Mm -hmm. um, I did. I then put uh, restricted content pro on a public repo, and it had been on a private repo for a year and a half or so. And within the first month, immediately got two or three new contributors to it. That's pretty um, cool. Yeah. So, do you think? Uh, um, do you think other plugins should be do should do this as well? Do you think it's? I don't think there's any. 
standard yes or no answer. I think it it really depends on what the plugin is. Um, who, who the customers are probably too. Yeah, and who the customers are. So an example plugin that I will not put on a public GitHub repo is software licensing for EDD. Right. Start software licensing out because it's a developer tool. Right. I'm selling it to developers, and so making it open to developers, like in one way, would be awesome because then they could contribute back to it. In another way, I've just given it away to every single one of my customers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And so that one won't go there. Um, yeah. But let's be honest: people that are buying affiliate WP, they're tr they're usually marketers or people setting up their their product site. They're very rarely developers. Right. And one of the things about GitHub is that it is damn scary for people that don't know code. Yeah. Like you go to the homepage of Affiliate WP on GitHub or Restrict Content Pro and you see a bunch of PHP files. Yeah. What the hell do you do with that? Directory like people listing. don't know. And so if you're if your target audience Can is, I just click on it? <laughs> yeah. And launch it like an app. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so if your target audience is not a developer crowd, that's going to be very different than if you are selling to developers. Yeah. I think it's something that everybody should consider if they want to do. Yeah. I think it makes sense in some cases and, and not in others for sure. Yep. Um, I would say, I think if, if you've done it or you know someone that has and you have similar experiences or different experiences, uh, I'd love to hear about them. Uh, I now know of a couple of other people that have done it as well, and they've also mentioned that it's been awesome for them. Cool. Um, so, a couple a couple weeks ago, I guess. Oh no, this is long ago. I tweeted this. I was just I don't know why I was just grumbling, basically, <laughs> just complaining. I said in a tweet, "Hey, WP plugin developers, stop forcing me to your your welcome page every time I update your plugin. Major releases, fine." And. And I was just, I'd, I'd seen this so many times, like every time you update a plugin, it just, it forces you to that, that welcome page. And then some, some plugins, like I've got like a couple plugins that have welcome pages. So I actually end up on two welcome pages, one after the other. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just like fed up. And so I, I tweeted that out. But the amazing thing is that it's made a big difference. Like it's one of the few instances where complaining has actually uh, had an impact. I think it's kind of interesting um, because while I completely agree that it's annoying, maybe it's I just don't care. Like, and, and I don't mean that in a negative way, but like me landing on a welcome page has never bothered me. Right. Which which actually kind of surprised me like so i know that everybody has different opinions on like what what's irritating or what's not but to see see so many people jump on your tweet and yeah. say like oh my gosh i hate this surprised me yeah yeah everyone's diff have diff different uh, sensitivities and i yeah. and i've put up with it for a long time sure. right um uh, and then uh I don't know. I just, I just snapped. <laughs> I tweeted that thing that other people were, you know, relating to it. But I don't think it's a huge problem or anything. But it's a nice little optimization um, that that people, you know, you guys have done. Uh, you made the change to EDD, right? Um, um or, to be honest, I'm not 100 percent sure. I'm not. I'm not sure if you have, but uh, I know it's, it's not our radar. If we have commerce has. Um, uh, I, I know. I saw Give WP who's brand new did it yesterday or the day before yeah so i don't know a few people are i think it's i think it is a good change yeah. um to to not go to a welcome page on on point releases because yeah. 
who cares? Like, I mean, you, you're not a point release should not be a massive set of changes that you need to show a welcome screen for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think it sends the wrong message for sure. Yeah, I agree. Um, what now what's interesting is we actually had somebody recently who was getting really mad at us because we didn't offer a way to completely disable the welcome screen, <laughs> which I found kind of interesting. Um, so I, I, fully sympathize with showing a welcome screen after each plugin update being annoying, especially if you have multiple plugins in a row that are doing it. It's annoying. Yeah. Um, but I have never once considered someone redirecting me to a welcome screen after installing a plugin to be a bad, like it's, it's yeah. an onboarding experience. Yeah. Well, it's and, and a major update deserves some kind of absolutely. Uh, notice, right? So, well, especially like for us, when we're running, we're talking about e-commerce, like this is powering people's businesses. N showing people what's new is pretty important. Yeah, um, but we've had we had a few people, and there was actually a giant uh, Facebook thread at, on this a few months back as well, where they were really irritated because we didn't allow them to disable it completely, um, and I, I actually refused to to put that option in. Yeah, I because wonder I what... think it's really fundamentally important for e-commerce. Well, I mean, you could put it in as like a hook or something so that they could do it like programmatically or something, like just to appease right. them, just to shut them up, maybe. <laughs> but I, I, I'd like to know like what, like where they're coming from, what their point of view is uh, on this. If if it's just that I don't want to see it, like that's not really a good reason. That was that was the that was the best argument I could get out of most people uh, that were out of it. Yeah, that's that's not that's not a very good reason. No. If if it was like you know my customer does the updates and he's gonna see it, then I'm like, well, maybe that's a bad thing. But even then, that's really thin. So yep. why is your customer updating your plugins first of all? <laughs> if, if they're if they're your customer and you're supposedly managing their sites, exactly. Why are they doing the update? Yeah. Anyhow, um, but I thought it was a great, it was a great discussion. Yeah. So speaking of discussions, um, you posted. Uh, a, well, you blogged about uh, Caldera Forms, which is uh, uh -huh. another Forms plugin. Yep. Um, yet another Forms plugin. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and uh, they, uh, and, and you know, you just posted like a review of it, right? You you dug into it. Yeah. Uh, and then someone in the comments st said, like, briefly, I still think Gravity Forms is better, period. You know? yeah, that was the entire comment. <laughs> that was it, pretty much. Uh, well, I think they asked if you agreed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and and you had a good uh do you want to summarize what kind of what you said like sure um so and, and i i see this every time that i do a review on any plugin that has several major players so like i i saw this when i did a review of ninja forms early on somebody immediately came back and said okay how's it compared to gravity forms right. i saw this when i reviewed a related post plugin they immediately came back and said how does this uh compared to this other related post plugin that was really popular. Right. Um, and it, it just, it happens all the time. Um, and, and I think a lot of times, like the people asking these questions have like, it's, it's not because they're, they're biased and they're trying to get you to say, oh, well, actually this is better. They're really looking for an, um, a reason to like, why should they consider this other option when the version they use is great? Um, but I really don't like making um, judgments on what is better, like which platform is better. So in this case, let's keep in the realm of like Gravity Forms versus Caldera Forms versus Ninja Forms versus Formidable Forms, etc. Um, I don't like saying this one is better, you should use it. Because every single plugin has their strong points and their weak points. Uh, and everyone has one 
where like they'll work really well in this case or work really well in that case or they fail pretty they fail or they don't do as well in this this scenario um and i think if you really want to do yourself a favor it you should explore all of the options and not just assume that one is better than the others just because you're used to it right yeah no i mean they're just different right like they're and I'm sure there's like strengths and weaknesses for each one. Absolutely. Right? And and so, I mean, if you could take all the strengths from them and put them into one plugin, then you'd probably sure. have a. Sure. Like just as an example, well, I I've now played with all of the form the the major form plugins pretty extensively, which uh, right now would be like Gravity Forms, uh, Ninja Forms, called Air Forms, Formidable Forms, uh, and there's a couple of others as well. And I've I've used all of them. We've integrated with all of them or started to integrate with all of them in Affiliate WP and in other plugins. Um, and there are absolute cases where each one of them shines where the others don't. Um, just as an example, I think Ninja Forms is probably the easiest one to build on top of for other developers. It's the easiest to dive in for somebody and not without, it, it's a much uh, less steep learning curve for a developer to figure out how things work in it. Right. Um, in terms of like reliability and just it always works probably gravity forms which is probably because they've been around longer than anyone else and yeah and they have a huge massive customer base and yeah. they've had so for a long time every so. one of every one of them has has a strength and so no matter what the plugin is whether you're talking about forms or e-commerce or memberships or anything i don't like assuming or just making a statement that says this is better yeah. or this one's best um and i think you should play with all of them so if you're setting up a membership site, don't just use Restrict Content Pro because it's what you're used to. Go play with Member Press. Go play with Member Mouse. Go play with uh, premium memberships from WPMU. Play with all of them. Play with Paid Memberships Pro. Um, yeah, yeah. You'd be surprised. Yeah. Like I think it also really helps highlight uh, what is great about each one of them. Yeah. I think you make a really good point that you shouldn't just go by one review or even, you know, several reviews that people have of a plugin or any product for that matter, because they have a different perspective than you do. So you, they may value things differently. So absolutely, I think, uh, I mean, if you're buying a kettle, then maybe, yeah, sure. It's a kettle. There's not that many perspectives that are going to make a difference, <laughs> right? No. But, but when it's something as complex as a plugin, especially a forms plugin, I mean, you know, different strokes for different folks, right? Yep, 100%. Why don't we go ahead and jump into responsive images? So this is something that you've been working with a lot. Uh, I know you've mentioned this, I think, a couple of times in our in our pre-show chats. Um, so tell me, tell me what you've been doing with this. Yeah, so the, the Amazon uh, CloudFront, Amazon S3 and CloudFront plugin that we're working on, I mean, it deals with the media library, right? Um, so I was wondering, like, how well, and it works with this other plugin that's uh, really popular. It's on the WordPress.org repo. It's called WP Retina 2X, and so it allows you to basically serve Retina uh, quality images for high DPI displays. So, like a Retina display, or if you have a phone that's got a high DPI display, it'll it'll serve the the high resolution images. So, um, so yeah, the, the, the two work well together, but I was just like, where, where's this going? I, you know, and, and I started, uh, I found this article, uh, with, 
uh, Chris Coy. So uh, first of all, that's just one dimension, right? To uh, so the the resolution of the display. That's one thing. But then there's another facet of the problem, which is responsive design, right? Which as you shrink the size of the page, the images get smaller, right? And so, should, like when the this, when the page is really small, should you load what size image should you load for that right that kind of right thing. Um, and what if the page gets bigger yeah yeah exactly uh, you know you should serve a bigger image um, so let's take a, an example because this is like speaking abstractly it's a little confusing um, like a typical typical example is that you have like an archive page with a list of posts and you have like featured images for each post and you know, they're usually like a thumbnail size image, right? Like maybe they're like left aligned with like text on the on the right. Uh, and then on the if you click through one of those, then you get like the big, you know, the big image, the, the larger size, right? But then on a phone, that same site, uh, the image on the listing page, on the archive page, might be the same size as it is on when you click through or tap through to... The, the single post page, right? Because it's a smaller screen, you know, you can't make it super tiny. The image would be pointless. So, you know, generally when you have a responsive design, it would like make the, the image kind of like the size of the, the phone, that, mm -hmm. that kind of thing, right? Um, so uh, if, you, if you don't, you know, basically you could end up with like a, that thumbnail size image being stretched across the size of the phone and it would be fuzzy, right? Uh, so, you know, that's kind of the problem uh, right now. And there are ways uh, of fixing it um, that people have been using. There's usually JavaScript, right? Uh, but there's this new way uh, that's become a proposal. I believe it works in Chrome now as well already. Um, Actually, I think it works in WebKit browsers. If you go to caniuse.com, you can uh, you can find it. We'll we'll link that up in the show notes. Um, yes, it does. It works in Chrome 42, 41. Wow, it goes right back to 38. Actually, this this new uh, this new thing called it's called SRC Set. And so the idea is that you you replace the SRC attribute of an image with a list of images, basically all the size images that you have. And then the browser will just, oh, and, and another important point. And uh, in addition to listing each image path, you have to also give uh, determine the, uh, the width. You have to tell the browser how wide that image is. And then, based on just that information, it will the browser can determine which image it should load and serve and, and display. Um, so, since it only works in uh, in Chrome right now, you can use uh, PictureFill.js. It's called, and it will make it work for all the other browsers as well. Um, so that's pretty cool, right? Like, so I I had never actually heard of this. I think maybe I saw mention of it um, a while ago until um, reading Chris Coyer's post, the one on CSS tricks. 
about it. Right. Um, here's here's my main question for you on it. Okay. So if you add, and I don't know, maybe you know the answer to this or not. So when you set source set and you add in all the different sizes, does the browser actually load every image size? Or does it do it on demand when you resize the screen? Well, so when you first uh, load the page, right, you're probably not dragging your browser window to resize it. <laughs> like when you first load a page, your your viewport, the, whatever it is, your phone browser or your, you know, your desktop browser, your tablet browser, whatever, is a fixed size, right? Right. And so that's what it uses. Whatever the viewport is, when it loads, it'll it'll choose the image. Now, if you resize. I believe the way it works is it will, you know, it knows, hey, the viewport's resized. Let's recalculate what images we need and we'll download them and, and replace okay, them. That answers my question right there. So um, that's what I was wondering. Like, so if you say, okay, my default source is small.jpg, but I also have a medium.jpg and a large.jpg, does it load medium and large on the first page load or only once it is determined that the browser needs to display those versions? Yeah, just when it needs Okay. Just when it needs them. That's good because if it loaded them all, that would be problematic for people. Oh, that yeah, that would be completely pointless uh, because you could just, I mean, you can do that now. You could just put three images, you know, the three images in image tags and hide two of them. Right. And then use CSS to to hide and show which ones, right? And that, and that's really the problem. And this, you know, that's one of the the things that this uh, resolves is that really it puts the onus, it gives the information that the browser needs to the browser, and lets the browser handle kind of what which one you know gets downloaded and displayed. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. And it's really cool that we can use it now with the with the polyfill with the picturefill.js uh, polyfill right. uh, thing. So yeah. So, so how does this impact WordPress? I guess is the other the other point, go. right? Because this is re really just talked about responsive images. I bet you're about to answer the question I was just going to ask. So go ahead. <laughs> so there's a plugin out there called RICG Responsive Images. Uh, if you just search, I think if you just search for R-I-C-G, you'll probably find it. Or even, yeah, just search responsive images on the WordPress.org repo, and you'll find this uh, this plugin. And it's real. It's being worked on, I think, by the core team, isn't it? I mean, I see Andrew Nason in the list and Helen in the in the list of uh, authors for this plugin. Yeah, there's a lot of people involved. Uh, yeah, we've got like. Yeah, my my guess is that this is probably coming to WordPress core. That's what I'm hoping, uh, and I'm pretty sure it will. And what's really interesting, I think, is that it means that image sizes become basically irrelevant going forward. You know how right now what you would do in a theme, uh, if we take our example from previously, if you wanted a thumbnail in the archive page, right, you would use uh, a theme tag that would insert the thumbnail size, right? That would right. choose that image. Well, in the future, that's pointless, right? Because really, you just you would just uh, the SRC uh, would just have all the images in it, right? All the images sizes that were available. Yeah. For for that image, so it's it's pointless to define which size you want in there. In the future, I think what would be more useful would be if you could define a treatment, like if you wanted um, the listing 
image to have a certain crop, right? Then that would make sense that you you know, I want the one that shows up here to be cropped with you know the guy's head in it instead of you know his chest, <laughs> you know, like yeah. if it's a picture of a person, you know, sometimes you want it cropped, you know, a certain way. Um, so I think in the future, it's just going to be pointless for themes to be defining size of image goes here, you know, uh, and it'll also be pointless for the, um, the sizing kind of options in, in the, in the dashboard when you're, when you're editing an image, you know, there's like a, uh, what is it? Apply to, um, Apply, apply changes to these apply sizes. changes yeah. too, yeah, and it, and it's like apply changes to all image sizes, thumbnail, or all sizes except thumbnail, and I mean that's I, I think that's a bad idea because uh, you you really want all those sizes to be exactly the same, right? Because right. because uh, one of them could be the one that loads, you know, for a phone, you know, versus for a desktop, so you really want those to be the same, I think. Um, so, yeah. It would be kind of cool to see uh, image sizes kind of go away. Yeah. Uh, just, I mean, they're not they're not going to ever go away 100%. But suddenly, we don't need 15 different image sizes across the website, or 10, or 5, or however many you use. Right. And that excites me. Right. Wait, that would be super awesome. Well, I guess you'd still need the images. Like, you'd still need to generate those image sizes. But Right, right. But there's not nearly as much... Um... Finicking with them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. We're, not, we're not outputting this size here, this size here, this size here, this size here. No. We're outputting whatever size the browser wants to, needs to show there based on the size of the, of the port. Yeah. And, that's and I, really think, cool. I think uh, going forward, I don't know if it even makes sense to have that options page that is currently in the dashboard with the sizes in there. Yeah, it might not. Because, I mean, really, you could probably set those universally for most yeah. websites. I think if this, is need... something, if this is something that can go in uh, and actually eventually get into core, it'll be one of those cool scenarios where uh, it uh, the feet the way that images work is made a lot more flexible and at the same time removing a lot of options a lot of what today we look at as features but really are just more ui elements causing confusion more options to configure we're able to get something to get rid of some of those yeah. and make things simpler and still more flexible at the same time yeah well i mean this is just going to be a huge improvement for developers to just not okay. have to worry about image sizes anymore there's you know you just you just plop in you know the src set attribute and all the images that that you've generated and and that's it you're done <laughs> you don't have to well, worry and, about and one thing suddenly instead of like let's say that you have a site that has a ton of different thumbnail sizes and, and banner images etc it'll actually allow us to get into having maybe four or five generic image sizes that a lot of different sites uses and mm -hmm suddenly those generic image sizes can still be applied to each of these more uh, specific areas. Right, yeah. Um, I should mention that, um, so the when the browser does the, the kind of figuring out, it also takes into account whether the resolution of display, so if it's a retina, for example, uh, not only will it 
determine, okay, the I'm on a phone, the viewport is, you know, 320 pixels wide. Yes, but the screen is a retina, so I still need an image at least uh, 640 in width, and it'll pick the image at least 160 or 640 or greater in width. So it use you know it really looks at the whole scenario, the whole the whole picture, and uh, and picks the right image. So that I mean that's so we don't have to be worrying about like all this. Um, you know, at two X images that you, <laughs> that we've created um, in the past for the retina displays and stuff. So it really it eliminates all of that as well. Um, so I'm like I'm super excited about this. I think this is going to be huge. And I mean, I feel like we're we're late to the party though. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Chris Coyer, uh, his article is from September. I think September, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, and I'm pretty okay. sure he's probably got like an article from like two years ago talking about this too. <laughs> um, but he, yeah, it's it's pretty exciting stuff uh, to me at least. Yeah, super awesome. Cool. Really cannot wait to see what ends up happening with this in the future. If anybody's played with it um, or has f further feedback on it, let us know. Uh, yeah, I'd love sure. to see examples where this is uh, being used in the wild and kind of see how how well it worked out. Yeah, for sure. Well, very cool. So what do we have coming up next? Uh, I think we're about time to, to wrap up, but do we have anything to uh, look forward to in the next couple of weeks? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, I'll be at WordCamp Miami at the end of May, That's but that's a little ways Sweet. away. Uh, myself and the rest of the EDD slash uh, some of the affiliated P team will be at LoopConf next week. Oh, nice. uh, which is uh, Tuesday through Saturday, I think, or Tuesday through Friday, something like that. Wednesday through Friday? I don't know. I'll be in Vegas. Uh, so if you're <laughs> if you're listening and you're going to be there, come by and say hi. Um, I think Isn't it actually outside everybody. of Vegas? Like it's not on the Strip or anything? Like it's... No, it's uh, it's at the, the West End, which I, th I think is kind of north of Vegas up on a lake, but right. I'm not 100% sure. Right. It's so definitely not on the Strip. You're away, you're away from the craziness. Yes. Yeah. Which is both a good and a bad thing, I guess, depending on, <laughs> on your Depends. view of Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway. So WordCamp Miami is the 29th to 31st of May. And yeah, we're, we're doing a big thing. We've got a house. I'm disappointed that this is uh, the first year in three years that I will not be at Miami. I've been to Miami last three years in a row. Uh, and I'm sad to not go back uh, this year. Yeah. So it's I, a great camp. Yeah. Should be good. Um, yeah, we're the and whole, I like Miami as a city too. The whole the whole team is flying in for this. Oh, great! So. Are you guys going to spend some extra time there? Uh, some of us will. I'll I'll be there the Wednesday to Sunday, so not much of it. But we're the whole team is coming in, and some of us have never met. Well, actually, none of us have met. <laughs> not <laughs> one of the team members has met each other face to face. Well, this so, will be a good time then. Yeah, it should be should be good. Uh, we've got a nice big house with a pool and stuff uh oh, excellent right on right just a few blocks off the miami miami beach so off are you beach. in south beach yeah south beach that's great so should be should be a good time <laughs> watch out for drink prices down there <laughs> they're, they're ridiculous <laughs> i bet i bet yeah I well yeah we, place we i ever paid at, 35 dollars uh, for a beer well we, we stayed at the 
a Satai hotel um, last year, right? Yeah. 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 And so, yeah, I'm aware of the prices. <laughs> it's, uh, it's pretty pricey, but yeah, it's we're good. only there for it's a short time, so it'll be good. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that just about wraps us up for the day. Um, if you ha- haven't checked them out, go check out our sponsors at uh, WPNinjas.com or NinjaForums.com. Uh, they're doing some really cool stuff. Uh, they're they're rapidly expanding team and plugin, so keep an eye on them. Uh, they launched their new membership bundle. Uh, if it's not launched, it's coming very very soon. So, and uh, we'll see you in two weeks. I'm I'm looking forward to their year end report next year after that big bundle comes out. See, oh yeah, can't see wait me. to see how they how they've grown over a year. Yeah. They've, Watching and seeing how they've grown over the last year and a half, two years has been awesome. Now I think they're just getting started. Yeah, for sure. Yep. All right. All right. Well, thanks for chiming in, everyone. Okay. Thanks, everybody. And catch you next time.